0: Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Wetcombe On August 24th, 1992, Hurricane Andrew struck Miami, USA. Winds blew at 282 kilometers per hour and waves up to five meters high flooded the streets. Devastation was everywhere. Thousands of homes and shops were destroyed. Cars were pulled up and thrown around like waste paper. But in the midst of that scene of complete chaos, there was something unusual. There were several houses that remained standing without any damage at all. Scattered throughout the city, there were buildings that were untouched by the storm, surrounded by neighbors' homes that were in piles of rubble. The insurance agents who were sent to investigate the damage began to ask about the houses that weren't damaged. How could it be that amid such devastation there were some buildings unharmed? The same wind had blown past them. The same flooding had filled the streets where these houses stood. Their neighbors' houses were shattered, but these remained. Why? As they made their investigation, they discovered that the buildings that remained standing had all been built by one man. One construction company was responsible for all the buildings that survived Hurricane Andrew. So the investigators went to the owner of the construction company to ask him why only his buildings still stood after the storm. His simple answer surprised everyone. When asked what made his houses different from the others, the man said, I built according to the plan. You see, in that region, the government has building regulations, a plan by which all buildings must be built in order to survive the powerful winds of a hurricane. All builders are required to build according to the government plan. But the problem is, Almost no one follows the law and builds according to the regulations. And so when the storms come, the houses fall. The one man who built according to the government plan survived the storm with his houses intact. There's a lesson for all of us in this true story. If you want to survive the storm, you have to build according to the to the plan. You see, God knows that storms will blow in your life. In fact, Jesus himself said, in the world, you will have tribulations. There are going to be tests and trials and temptations which will come to try to knock you off course. There will be times of need and times when you don't know what to do. So God has given us a plan to build our lives by. He's given us regulations that will keep us through the storm. All we have to do is live by God's plan. All we have to do is build according to God's plan and we will survive. We will even thrive in the middle of the storm. When others fail, we will enjoy the double, double life. That's the lesson in today's sermon, a sermon titled Peculiar Provision. As we continue our study of the prophet Elisha, we're going to meet a widow woman who was in the middle of a desperate storm. But when she acted according to God's plan, it produced a powerful miracle of peculiar provision. And when we follow the same steps, we too will experience God's miraculous supply. But before we find out how to do that, Let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you know everything in advance. And you've prepared a plan by which we can build our lives and survive every storm. Teach us today. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we submit to you now. I bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts and minds and to give us the grace to build according to your plan. We thank you by faith that your peculiar provision is ours in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Just take a moment right now. Join your faith with mine. Place your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. Amen. amen. Well hello my friends and welcome once again to Truth for Today. I'm so glad you've joined me as we continue our sermon series titled Double Double. We began this series last week when we were introduced to the prophet Elisha. If you happen to miss that message please go and watch it on my YouTube channel. It's a powerful message that will help you lay the right foundation for the double double life. So before we move on to today's truth let's take a minute to review what we learned last week. As you may remember, Elisha was a man called by God to serve under the powerful prophet named Elijah. When we met Elisha last week, we saw that he started out as an ordinary man plowing in his father's But beyond the common exterior, God saw a man who possessed courageous commitment. Elisha was a man who was willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. He was willing to pay any price to follow wherever God led him. And because of his faithfulness, God called him and elevated him to become a prophet. In fact, Elisha was so dedicated to God, he received a double portion of anointing. Hey, Elisha performed twice as many miracles as his mentor, Elijah. The Bible records more miracles from the ministry of Elisha than anyone else in the Bible except for Jesus. And in the story of Elisha, we can learn the secrets to our own lives of double Anointing. Now, to help us discover the secrets to the double double life, I've prepared sermon notes. We provide these notes and a daily devotional free of charge every week just so we can bless you. Amen. You'll find your sermon notes and daily devotional on my website and on my Facebook page, my YouTube channel, and my social media platforms. I invite you to take out your notes now. Follow along with me as we discover three steps two peculiar provision. And there at the top of your notes, you'll find our text for today. It's from 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. It's on your notes and on the screen ahead of you. Now receive the word of the Lord. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves." Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what." is left may the lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts in jesus name and everybody said amen Our story begins with a poor widow woman coming to Elisha for help. It seems as if everything in her life is falling apart. Her husband is dead. She doesn't have any money or food to live on. She not only has her own mouth to feed but she also has two sons to care for. And to make matters worse not only is she poor but her husband has left her with debt. Hey, he died owing, and now the creditors are coming to take her sons and sell them as slaves. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how this family came to this position. But we do know some things. The late husband was a prophet. He was a follower of God. These were righteous people living for God. But they must have been lacking in some area of knowledge or faith because they got into trouble. Maybe she was the kind of wife who told her husband, I'll be your treasure as long as you're my treasury. Or maybe their home was like mine. At my home, we have a lot of checks and balances. My wife writes the checks and it affects my balances. Hey. But somehow, someway, this woman and her two sons are in trouble. And she runs to the prophet Elisha and cries for help. But the prophet tells her something odd. He doesn't sympathize with her. Oh, you poor widow woman. He doesn't rebuke her for being in this situation. He doesn't say, why did you waste all your husband's hard-earned living? He offers to help her, and then he starts to teach her. He could have taken up a collection for her, but instead he teaches her how to get up and get out and get what she needs from God herself. Elisha actually walks her through step by step in a lesson on how to build her faith so she can experience peculiar provision. See friends, here's the miracle ministry of a prophet joining hands with the teaching ministry. We need the miracle power of God, but we also need the teaching of God's truth to help us live above our problems. I love the miracle ministry. I need the miracle ministry. I believe in healing and power and supernatural. But it's better to know how to live in divine health than to always need divine healing. So here's an important key for you to remember, not only today, but any time you have a need. The double-double life doesn't come automatically. It's not going to come because of a prophecy or because of anointing oil. The double-double life doesn't happen just because you wish it to be so, or you dream it to be so, or you want it to be so. It doesn't happen because you jump up and say, I receive, I receive. There are things you are required to do in order to live the double-double life. There are requirements you must meet, just like the builder in Miami, USA, whose houses withstood the hurricane, so it is with you. If you build by God's plan, you will receive what God has planned. And that's why Elisha doesn't just solve her problem, he teaches her. Rather than just perform a miracle, Elisha does even more. He doesn't just provide a solution for this woman. He helps her learn how to get solutions from God for herself. The man of God you want on your side is not just the man of God who will pray and see a miracle, but the man of God who will also teach you how to walk in miracle power for yourself. So Elisha begins to teach this widow three steps to peculiar provision. And we follow her example. We will also enjoy God's peculiar provision. So here's your first step today. Expect much more. Everybody say expect much more. Listen to how Elisha tells the woman to start her journey to peculiar provision. He tells her to go around and get vessels from her neighbors. He tells her to borrow empty jars. And then in verse 3 he says, don't ask for just a few. Now, why would Elisha do that? What could this woman possibly need with empty jars and plenty of them? But see, Elisha knew something powerful. He knew that the problem wasn't with the circumstances. The problem was with the woman. The first thing Elisha had to deal with was the woman, not her circumstances. He had to deal with her doubt and fear before God would perform the miracle. See, friends, faith operates in the arena of the impossible, The difficult and the desperate. And the worse the situation you face, the more you need faith. But instead of faith, this woman is filled with unbelief. Look at how negative she is. I know she's got a problem, but she's negative in her thinking and her speaking. My husband is dead. His creditor is coming. Your servant has nothing at all. She was negative and she allowed her problem to affect her attitude. She spoke negative and it wasn't actually true. She said, I have nothing, but in reality, she did have something. She had oil. And I know her condition may have been bad, but she had a lot more than nothing. She had a voice to cry out to God in prayer. She had a relationship with a man of God who could perform miracles. She had a little oil that God could multiply. She had the promise of a God who would never fail her. She had the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit on her side. She had far more than she thought. And that's why the first step for her was to expect much more. And so it is with you. You've got to expect more if you want God's peculiar provision. You've got to change your thinking. Stop looking at your problem and start looking at your God. That's why I said faith operates in the arena of the impossible, the difficult, and the desperate. If you don't have a problem, you don't need faith. If there's no storm in your life, then you don't see how great your God is to deliver you. But 1 Peter 1 7 tells us, these trials will show that your Faith is genuine, it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And I'm sorry to say, but a lot of us are just like that widow woman. I've been like her in the past. As soon as something goes wrong, we start moaning and complaining, Oh, this is bad! Oh, this is terrible! Oh, I don't know how we're going to make it. Hey, me But I'm here to tell you today that you have to stop expecting failure and start expecting success. You have to stop expecting defeat and start expecting victory. And this is where so many people miss out on the double-double life. Rather than expecting more from God, we just expect the same thing we've experienced in the past. We set our expectation from our experience rather than from God's omnipotence. And you can't base your expectation on your experience. You have to base your expectation on God's promise and God's power. Once a few years ago, there was a woman who visited Accra, where I live, from the USA. She came for one week in July. Since Ghana is in the tropics, she expected it to be hot and sunny. But in July, we have our rainy season. It can often be very cool. So this woman came from U.S. for the first time to Ghana and expected hot weather, but she experienced cool temperatures and heavy rainfall. In fact, it rained every day and the woman was cold all the time. When she returned to the U.S., her friends asked her about Ghana. Oh, the lady said, it's very cold there. It rains all the time. In fact, I don't think I will visit again. It's too cold and too wet. Her limited experience defined her beliefs. Another woman visited from the U.S. for a week in March. It was hot, and the sun shone every day. When her friends asked her about Ghana, she said, oh, Ghana is very hot. Oh, the sun beat me every day. Her limited experience defined her beliefs. Instead of realizing that her experience was not the complete picture, she let her experience determine her reality. And so often we do the same. We allow our experience to determine our expectation. But just because you're not married yet doesn't mean you won't marry soon. Just because you don't have a child yet doesn't mean a child is not coming. Just because you've not seen your healing manifest doesn't mean it's not on the way. Just because you're out of work and out of money and out of friends now does not mean that God has abandoned you. Trials will come. The oil may run out. The debt collectors may knock on your door. But God is still on the throne. And God will always make a... Way for those who follow his ways. Don't let your past experience be the measure of your expectation. Let the omnipotence of God be the measure of your expectation. For the fact is, there is no limit with God. Even if all I have is a little oil, I have a very big God. If all I have is one U.S. dollar, I have a very big promise. If all I have is one interview, I have a miracle working, problem solving, prayer answering God. And there is no limit with God. The only limitation is in us. That's why in Matthew 9, 29, Jesus said, according to your faith, Let it be done to you. Things may seem to be difficult, but when you step out in faith and expect much more, miracles will begin to happen. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. If you want a different outcome, you need a different way of thinking. That's why God says to you today from Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too difficult for me? See, friends, the double-double life begins by expecting much more. Change your thinking to see the greatness of God rather than the size of your problem. I'll never forget the time when I was in Nigeria and a young man came to me and asked me to pray for him. I asked him what he wanted prayer for. And he told me, Reverend, I want to get married. I was about to lay hands on him and pray for him when the Holy Spirit stopped me. Don't pray for him, the Lord told me. Ask him a question. Well, the question the Lord told me to ask him was a strange one, but I obeyed. So I asked the young man, what size bed do you have? What? The young man said. So I repeated the question. What size bed do you have? Is it a single bed or a family bed? I have a single bed, he answered. Then I won't pray for you, I said. Go and get a family bed. Then come again, and I will pray for you. And God will answer my prayer when you expect much more. Brother, are you praying to get married? Go get a family bed. Sister, are you praying for a husband? Go find a wedding dress. Brother, are you hoping to travel this year? Go get your passport. Sister, do you want to go to school? Go and collect the forms. Expect more. Somebody say expect more. And that brings us to the second step to peculiar provision. Shut the door. Everybody say shut the door. Elisha told the woman and her sons that as soon as they had gathered all the empty vessels, they should go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. And what did Elisha mean by that? Why did he tell her to shut the door? Simply put, if you're going to live the double double life, you have to shut the door to anything that will hinder. Your faith. For example, you have to shut the door to doubt. You have to silence every voice that would encourage you to doubt. You have to run away from any influence to doubt. Sometimes that may even mean you have to avoid negative people. For the fact is not everyone can accept God's vision for your life. Not everyone can accept your faith. Sometimes you have to put people outside and close the door so they don't pull you down. That's what Jesus understood. Listen to Matthew 9, 18 to 19. While Jesus was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My doctor has just died, but come, put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. But listen to what happened in Matthew 9, 23 to 25. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, Go away! The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been thrown out of the house, tell your neighbor he threw them out, Jesus went into the girl's room and took hold of her hand, and she stood up. Jesus had to shut the door on doubt so that he could raise the dead. Negative people had to get out before the girl could get up. Years ago, when I was pastoring a church in Wari, Delta State, Nigeria, we needed land to build our building. Our church was growing. People were coming. We were in a rented store, and we needed land. God opened the door for us to purchase a great piece of land right off a main tarred road in a densely populated area. I prayed, and I was convinced by God that we should buy this land. But not everyone in the church shared my faith. Some members thought that the land was too swampy. Some thought it's not genuine. Some thought it was too expensive and we couldn't get the money to buy it. All types of voices started coming against me. It's no good. It will flood. We can't make it. One of my deacons even left my church because of the land. But I knew what God had spoken to me. And we bought the land and built the church. And the church grew and was thriving And that location. And here's the problem with doubt. When you start to listen to the voices of unbelief, then you make room for the devil to enter in as well. That's why you need to shut the door on doubt and shut the door to the devil for Ephesians 4:27 says don't give the devil a chance see when the devil gets involved he'll try to get you to try other options he'll begin to lure you away with other choices he'll tell you well if Quesi won't marry you then get pregnant and it will force him to marry you the devil will tell you if your boss won't give you a race just take what you need it's not stealing because they owe it to you The devil will tell you, well, if prayer doesn't work, try the malam, try juju. But living the double-double life requires you to make the choice to trust in God no matter what. You can't waver and leave your options open. If you leave your options open, you don't have double-double faith. And the reason a lot of us don't get what we ask for from God is because we have a plan B. We think, well, if my prayer isn't answered, I'll ask my uncle. Or we say, well, if God doesn't come through, I'll find ways and means to work things out on my own. But when you come to the place where it's God and God alone that you are looking to, then you are in the place of double, double faith. If you believe it, say amen. Once there was a man who was walking home through the bush late at night His torch battery had died and he had no light at all. And he missed the road and accidentally stumbled. And before he knew it, he was falling down the side of a hill into a deep ravine. As he was tumbling, he was thrashing his arms and crying for help. By God's grace, this man managed to grab the branch of a tree on his way down. At the last minute, before it was too late, he laid hold of the tree branch and hung on for dear life. As he was hanging on for dear life, the man started crying, Is anyone there? Help me! Is anyone there? And to his great delight, God himself answered, Yes, my son, I am here. I'm the Lord. Do you believe me? Yes, Lord, the man said. I believe. Please send angels to come and rescue me. God said, I have a different plan, my son. I want you to let go. Let go! God! You want to kill me? Aye. If I let go, I will fall. If I let go, I will die. God, can't you just send an angel? God said, my son, do you trust me? Let go. The man thought for a while, and then he said, Is there anyone else who can help me? Eventually, the man couldn't hold on any longer. He couldn't hold on. His fingers were slipping. His hand got tired, and he shouted, Lord, here I go. He let go and fell, and he fell two inches, and his feet hit the ground. It was then that he realized he was only a few inches above the ground. In the dark, he didn't see the ground was underneath him, but God knew. And friends, there is no one else to help you. There's no one else you can depend upon. Close the door to doubt. Close the door to devil. Let go and let God. For God says to you today, from Isaiah 45.5, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. In verses 22 to 24, he says, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn. My mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. They will say of me, In the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. So So lift your hands today and say after me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. I have no other God but the one true God. I will not trust in anyone else but Jesus. See friends, here's what you need to know to shut the door on doubt and the devil. God is sovereign. He rules completely in the affairs of man. The word of God says in Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things and no plan of yours can be thwarted. And I'm here to tell you, there's nothing God can't do. There's no one that can stop his plans. None of his plans can be altered. None of his plans can be hindered. None of his plans can be stopped. For Psalm 33.9-11 says, "He." spoke and it came to be he commanded and it stood firm the Lord foils the plans of the nations he thwarts the purposes of the peoples but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever the purposes of his heart through all generations and I'm here to declare to you that God's plan for your life stands firm every day in every way his destiny on you his hand on you is sure and it cannot be thwarted or foiled. For Isaiah 14, 24 says, "...the Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned it, so it will be, and as I purposed it, so it will stand." And I want to reassure you today, God's plan for you will come to pass. It will stand. If you believe it, say amen. For Daniel 4 says his rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? And no matter the enemy you face, he can't stop God. No matter the Satan that's battling you, he can't stop God. If God wants to bless you, if God wants to provide for you, if God wants to give you double-double, all the angels in heaven couldn't stop it. All the power in the world is nothing compared to God's power. And I know you may be facing a need in your life today, but you need to expect much more. You need to shut the door to doubt and the devil. For 1 Chronicles 29 10 to 13 says, Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. It is in your hands to strengthen and power, to exalt, and to give strength to all. Stop listening to doubt. Stop listening to the devil. Expect much more. Shut the door. And that brings us to our third and final step to peculiar provision. Start to pour. Everybody say start to pour. In verse 4, Elisha tells the woman, Pour oil into all the jars. Once she'd gathered all the empty vessels she could, she now had to pour the oil from one to the other. Elisha didn't pour the oil. Her sons didn't pour the oil. This woman was the one with the need, and this is the woman that had to pour the oil. Because the fact is, miracles often require your participation. So here's the truth you need to pack up and dig home with you today. There was no increase in oil till she started to pour. The increase came when the widow started to pour. It was good for her to expect more and gather empty vessels. It was good for her to shut the door and believe. But the fact is, until she acted in faith and started to pour, she had no more oil than when she began. There was no increase in oil till she started to pour. And you've got to pour if you want to get your miracle. This is especially true when it comes to the financial arena. You've got to release your hold and begin to give generously if you want an increase in your finances. For the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 11, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. God gives seed to the sower. He doesn't give seed to the hoarder. You have to start to pour, for God only replaces what you give out. Jesus himself shared the same truth with us in Luke six thirty-eight: Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. But it's not just in finances. In any area of your life, the truth is God wants you to get involved in the miracle. So here's the key. You need to unlock the door to the double-double life. God always uses the material at hand. Peculiar provision is not based on what you have. It's based on what God will do with what you have. So let me ask you today. What's in your house? What do you have? For no matter how small it seems, God uses the material at hand. At creation, there was nothing but God's word. So God used his word and created everything. When Moses needed a miracle power to convince Pharaoh, God asked him, what's in your hand? He had a rod, and God used the rod in his hand to part the Red Sea. When David faced Goliath, he used a sling and the stones in his hand to win. And God will use whatever you have, not what you don't have, to spark a miracle. That's the lesson we could learn from two brothers in the eastern region of Ghana named James and Kwesi Ansa. James and Kwesi live in an area where many people do not have access to affordable electricity. Even powering phones and radios and simple electronic devices is a problem. Kwesi recently told the BBC, people found it difficult to have a simple electricity, so we decided to find a solution. Well, you would think that these two brothers would have turned to the government or to some international NGO to supply them with the means of producing electricity for their region. But instead of focusing on what they didn't have, James and Questi started with what they did have. They used material at hand to begin developing what they called JK2 table power. James and Quesi began building their own electric generator with discarded plastic gallons, wood, and copper wires that they had in their compound. Then they took cassava, ground it with readily available chemicals, and poured the cassava juice into a bowl with copper electrodes. And believe it or not, from these simple, everyday materials at hand, James and Quesi produced enough electricity to power radios and mobile phones in their village in eastern Ghana. So here's what you need to do today. Offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. If you need money, offer God what you have, no matter how little, and trust him to give you what you need. If you need a job, offer God your service in the church, and trust him to give you what you need. If you need love, offer God what you do have, your words, your time, your attention, and trust him to give you what you need. For Christianity is not for spectators. Christianity is for God's people to get involved. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. In fact, if you don't act, if you don't arise and get up and do something, you ought to question your Christianity. For James 2 says, What good is it if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. It doesn't matter the shape or the size of the empty vessel. The only thing that matters is that the vessel is empty. And God is looking for some empty vessels today. He's looking for people who've emptied themselves from pride and emptied themselves from excuses. He's looking for people who are empty of self so he can fill them with his oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. And there's a key for all of us today. If you will empty yourself and let God fill you with his spirit and power, you will overflow with his life when you let him have his way in your life any house that has empty vessels that God can fill is a house where miracles reside. Any family, any church, any ministry, any person that is empty of self and ready to be filled is a miracle waiting to happen. That's why I came to tell you today, there's a miracle in your house. You may think you've got nothing. You may think there's no way through, but God is just getting started. And he sent me to tell you today, there's a miracle in your house house. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on the promises of God because you have more than you think. If you'll empty yourself and depend on God, you have enough to meet every need. You have the promise of God. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the blood of Jesus. You have the assurance of heaven. You have the power of prayer. That's why I boldly say there's a miracle in your house. There's peculiar provision waiting for you in any area of your life and in every area of your life. God is ready to take you to the next level of faith. He's ready for you to enter the arena of the double, double life. Expect much more. Shut the door and start to pour because there's a miracle in your house. Father, I thank you now for your powerful promise. I thank you for your miracle-working promises in our lives. And I pray today, Lord, that you will open our hearts, that the measure of our expectation will not be based on our experience, but it will be based on your omnipotence. Right now, we shut the door to doubt. We shut the door to the devil. We command every lying voice from other people and from other spirits to be silent in the name of Jesus. And we offer you all that we have, our lives, our substance, everything within us. We cast it upon you. Fill the empty vessel to overflowing. Let us experience peculiar provision as we follow the path to the double, double life. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the Senior Pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Avon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6pm or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30am. You will have an awesome experience. We're here